Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, good morning. It's just on, uh, just gone one past nine o'clock, and I'm Pierre Morrow, and I'll be bringing you this week's program of Asia Pacific Currents. I'm flying solo again. Giselle's having a bit of a well deserved uh, break. She'll be back next week. And of course, uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links here on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, you can support 3CR and subscribe on 94198377. On uh, today's program, we've got a whole um, range of interviews. We've actually got two very big news uh, that have come out from the region uh, in the last 24 hours, one good and one bad. Um, but um, I'll I'll get to in a, in a in a second, really. Um, but on the second half of the uh, of the show, we'll be hearing an interview with Alex Moody, who's a research officer with the um, human rights organisation in Myanmar called Progressive Voice, and uh, he'll be talking about the state of workers. Uh, and especially garment workers in Myanmar. So they'll probably be around um, at quarter past um, nine o'clock. But um, if you like what you hear and you want to know more information, you can always contact Australia Asia Worker Links on our website, all the w's.aawl.org.au. Give us a ring on 9663-7277 or go to our Facebook page, Australia Asia Worker Links, and we're on Twitter as well. Um, so look, we'll go to the the, the news uh, items again. Like I said, there's really been two big items in the last 24 hours from the the, the region. One, the first one, is from uh, South Korea, where the uh, Constitutional Court has uh, actually, in in a unanimous eight to zero vote, has um, decided to uh, impeach, uh, to not not to impeach, but to actually um, agree with the impeachment of President Park Jun Hee, which is uh, in of the president of South Korea. This is a story we've, that we have brought you over the, the last few months. Um, but now it's actually happened um, yesterday. Uh, so the Constitutional Court has impeached the president. And so now she'll be open to um, to um, um, criminal charges. And the, the reason that she was impeached was um, because of her uh, in- involvement of uh, her friend and confident Choi Soon-si in government affairs and the cover-up of, of that. And, of course, there's all other range of corruption, uh, which has now included the vice president of uh, the Samsung Corporation of the vice chair, has been um, has been involved as well. But of course, um, the four years that uh, that the president Park was in power also saw some other major um, terrible things happening in South Korea. Um, one of which was in 2014, the sinking of the Seoul uh, ship, where hundreds of people died and um, um, her administration was quite inept around all all that uh, disaster and the handling of it. Then there was the MERS outbreak in 2015. Um, again, the government was very slow in, um, in uh, responding to, to that. 
And um, and um, in the last uh, year, there's been the whole issue with North Korea and the deployment of new armaments in uh, South Korea. And uh, it's very much the new uh, THAAD missile defense system, which has uh, brought uh, thousands of people out on the streets of South Korea. And of course, it's been here her constant attack on workers over the the last four years. That um, again, as we talked um, many times here on this program, has led to massive demonstrations and general strikes in uh, in, uh, in in South Korea. And this is why, for seventeen Saturdays in a row in the last three months, there have been millions of people every Saturday onto the streets calling for her impeachment and resignation. And the working class movement in South Korea was totally within that they brought hundreds of thousands of um, of people to the streets so it, it's it's a testament to the the, the power of our sisters, sisters and brothers in south korea so well done and of course the the, the big thing now for the workers movement in south korea the might have got rid of uh, park jen he but of course the whole system is still is still there, and um, we have to remember that there's a number of uh, trade unionists in uh, South Korea who's are who are imprisoned, um, especially the the Han Sung Kyun, the president of the KCTU, and affiliates uh, of members of other unions um, such as the construction union. So all these. Um, all these workers need to be released, and all the charges drop. So the the the, the fight continues. Uh, we will certainly see more mobilisation, and we certainly hope that it gives power to the working class movement in South Korea to to step up the fight, to step up the organisation, because the attacks on our sisters and brothers in the last few years have been massive in terms uh, not just of the ones that have been jailed, but in terms of wages and conditions. Many of, of these issues we brought to you before, the casualization, the precarization of, of, of uh, jobs in South Korea. So well done. We will certainly um, keep up um, with the information and we hope to bring you um, an interview in the next uh, few weeks that will actually look a bit deeper um, as not only why what has happened, but what will happen. Of course, new elections are now going to be held in South Korea in early May. Hi, it's Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. That's exactly right. If you like what you hear, you want to support support uh, your community radio, give us a ring during office hours on 9419 and of course, if you're listening uh, on the on the web or as a podcast or anywhere, if you've got your mobile phone, you can always go to www.3cr.org.au um, and uh, go through our website and um, and uh, subscribe there. So that was the first big news that really uh, that happened uh, yesterday. The, the Constitutional Court gave the verdict um, uh, yesterday in, the, in South Korea, and we can actually expect major demonstrations um, this weekend um, in uh, in support of, of that uh, decision. But the other big news uh, that came out in the last 24 hours was from India, and unfortunately this is a bad news. This involves uh, the Maruti Suzuki workers. This is another... 
um, issue that we've brought to you over uh, quite a number of times over the, the years we've uh, done. We've actually gone to India uh, a couple of times over this time, maybe three times, and we've uh, met um, with some of the workers, we've met with the organisers, so we've brought you a lot of information. But it's really about the Maruti Suzuki workers' Uh, struggles uh, since about 2010 to um, to unionize the, the the car factory, and this is in an area around um, in the Gurgan Manasa area around New Delhi. There's huge industrial areas, big industrialization processes that are going on in in uh, in India. Um, these are, are, are factories that um, are um, uh, state-of-the-art technology, but the wages and the conditions are, are abysmal and the, the repression is, um, is, is terrible. So um, the, in, um, in 2012, there was actually a, um, at the Maruti Suzuki factory, there, there was a, an incident, there was um, a fire and there was uh, fights in which uh, one senior manager um, uh, was killed. Now, hun- over 100 uh, workers were, um, were hunted down and I've used that word uh, specifically. They were hunted down for months, for weeks and months around the, the factory in their villages, and many of them spent uh, for up to four years in uh, in jail. Um, the the court has now delivered the verdict on all these um, these um, workers, um, and we were told that on the day that the this verdict was uh, uh, was handed down, around thirty thousand um, workers in that region held uh, industrial actions in support of these workers. Basically, um, uh, most of them were actually uh, um, acquitted of all charges, but um, thirty. Um, I'm just trying to look at the at the at the numbers that um, there was thirty. Uh, 1831 were actually uh, convicted of being involved in the in the dispute and in the in the murder of uh, of this uh, plant manager. Um, so 117 workers were um, acquitted, with, and there was no foundation to their case. So they spent years in jail for nothing. 18 workers have been convicted for grievous uh, hurt and trespass, and now 13 workers have been convicted for murder. Now, total coincidence, of course, but all these 13 workers are actually the the office bearers and the main labor organizers of the Maruti Suzuki Union. So this is quite a clear case of targeted union repression. There will now be uh, sentences uh, in the next few days. Uh, the, the 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 issue now is going to um, to be to how best to free these workers. It's a it's a frame up. The evidence is um, I've seen the evidence is uh, tenuous at best, if um, if if of any use. So it is quite clear case that these these hundreds of workers were targeted for taking industrial action, and now. Years after these 13 leaders, these uh, uh, heroes of the working class, have now been framed for a murder they did not commit. So it is our um, duty as as workers, as labour activists all around the world, to actually support and fight for their release. And again, over the next few weeks, we'll uh, give you more information and uh, about the international uh, campaign to um, get them get them out. <laughs> 
I often feel the only thing standing between us falling off that precipice and actually fighting our way back up the top of the hill is the trade union movement. I really believe that. We have the numbers, we have the commitment, we have the heart, we have the will to really fight. And the only way we're going to win that fight is to grow the union movement. That was Jed Carney talking up union. Stay tuned to 3CR for more union news. 8.55 on your AM dial or 3cr.org.au. Well, I can tell you, listeners, that we certainly know which side we're on here at 3CR Radio. And it's just 13 past 9 o'clock. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, the weekly program brought to you by Australia Asia Worklings on uh, issues and events from the labour movement in the region. And um, we actually haven't got much um, time to go through all the news items, I I believe. So... uh, um, I'll just go through um, one one more, and we'll see if at the end uh, we have uh, any more time. But um, you can uh, you can see all these news news items on our website. They'll be going up um, tomorrow night. Now, um, as many people here at Three CR would know that. Uh, um, la- this week um, there was the unfortunate uh, death of uh, Trevor Grant, a, uh, a sports broadcaster and uh, also a broadcaster here at 3CR Radio. Now Trevor Grant was one of Australia's most respected sports journalists with a career spanning 40 years. From his work covering cricket in Sri Lanka, Trevor became a passionate supporter of the Tamil's right to self-determination, a fierce critic of successive Sri Lankan government wars and defender of the rights of refugees. And he was actually um, a guest uh, many times here on the Tamil uh, show and he actually presented for a couple of years a show on refugees. Now, Trevor, uh, he was a journalist, but he actually died from mesothelioma, an asbestos-related disease, which he contracted while working as a journalist in buildings con- uh, containing asbestos, the old uh, age and the Herald Sun uh, buildings. Uh, deaths like these highlight the importance of banning the use of asbestos worldwide. And unfortunately, the economic and political interests connected with the continued mining and use of asbestos um, will um, will try and repress this fight to ban asbestos uh, using any means possible. And um, we've got um, uh, some news that will go on a website about a an attempt by an asbestos company to use a cover of documentary making to actually... Um, find out information from uh, Australian uh, unions fighting against asbestos, what their plans were so they could uh, act against them. So that that was very interesting. Again, you can uh, read that on our website um, later tomorrow. But that's really all that we have time for the news. We'll go to a um, quick uh, announcement and then we'll be back with the interview with Alex Moody um, uh, on uh, workers in Myanmar. to me, lover, I've secrets to tell. Hi, we're Dash. And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly, this love of great vein. 
I was uh, lucky earlier in the week to talk to Alex Moody, who is a research officer with the human rights organisation Progressive Voice in Myanmar about the state of workers organising in Myanmar and especially in relation to garment workers. Are you able to give us an overview of the state of workers organising and unions in Myanmar at this moment? In Myanmar, the the trade union movement, you know, was suppressed um, and in fact illegal for many many years. Uh, it was when legislation was passed in early 2012 that legally uh, trade unions were able to form. A second law in early 2012 outlined the the, the arbitration process uh, as regards industrial disputes. And this coincided with some of the changes, the political and economic changes happening in Myanmar. First couple of years, uh, the trade union movement grew more active, more vocal, more unions were established. What you would, what you saw in Myanmar, in, you know, late 2012, 2013, was quite a lot of strikes, uh, quite a lot of industrial action, a lot of it around the minimum wage but also working conditions. But minimum wage, the, the, the low wages was the, the main issue. After the minimum wage law was introduced, the strikes died down a, a little bit. But unfortunately, the, the actual minimum wage is not commensurate with the rises of uh, living costs, uh, inflation in Yangon. What we've seen now is that over the past 12 months is more strikes more industrial action. Now, despite this increase, the union movement is still fledgling, certainly. Uh, I think that's understandable after decades of oppression of trade unionists, you know, many of whom would end up in jail. Still in its infancy, and there's still intimidation by employers, and still, there's still difficulties with the legal framework which affects the independence of trade unions. And there's also not enough legal sanction against employers, factory owners mainly, who would not comply with the arbitration process. And so it's still quite easy for employers to sack trade union leaders or intimidate trade union leaders or even members. Um, And when it goes through the arbitration process, there's not an effective enough sanction on those employers to really deter them from uh, intimidating and laying off union members and union leaders. And so currently the union movement is active, it's growing, but still in its early stages. Thank you for that um, very clear analysis and overview. And just a, a quick question. So what is the legal minimum wage now in Myanmar? And also what is the standard working day? The minimum wage is a daily minimum wage of 3,600 Myanmar Jat. And that is about... Uh, in US dollars, that is a little bit under three US dollars, maybe. I think the exchange rate is around 1,350 chats per US dollar. Well, there you go. So it's under three dollars per day. However, 
there's a couple of loopholes in the minimum wage law which some factory owners uh, use to circumnavigate paying the actual minimum wage. And so there are probation, there's two levels of probation wage. So when someone starts at a factory, they can pay 50% of that. So that's 1,800 Myanmar Jap per day for the first three months. And then for their second three months of employment, it's 2,700 Myanmar Jap. So often, you know, workers will have to work six months to reach that minimum wage. However, we have heard reports of they have to start a contract again after six months, which is something which is obviously problematic. Regarding the the typical working day, I mean, we, we've focused a bit more on the garment industry because that is an industry which is growing and growing, and it's an industry which the, the Myanmar government is up, hoping, you know, is going to be a key industry in the economic liberalisation of Myanmar. And in the garment industry, obviously, it's dependent a little bit on when orders come in and what you know workload there is. The standard working day is eight hours per day, but from our research, it's typical that over 90% of the workers are working 10-plus hours per day, six days per week. And one of the big problems with this is that often workers don't feel like they have a choice on their working hours. And so if a typical working day is eight hours, the boss will simply say, you have to work an extra three hours, four hours tonight. Uh, with threats of pay deductions, with threats of being laid off, and you know other little more subtle things. For example, if there is transportation provided for workers to go home late at night, then they'll say, okay, the transportation is not going to leave at 4.30 today, it's going to leave at 8 p.m. Um, so, and often they won't even simply be given a choice. It's just a case of this is what you're working today. So, yeah, working hours tend to be uh, at the behest of the employer and workers don't have much of a choice. And when the employer wants it, that and that is quite regularly, it will be 10 plus hours a day, 11, 12 hours a day, in some cases, six days a week. Unfortunately, some of the issues that you've just raised there in terms of uh, ongoing contracts and lower pay and longer working hours is something that we've heard before in other countries and in other sectors as well. They're they're very well-used tactics by employers, unfortunately. Now, just before we get to the garment sector specifically, there were elections last year where a new, more democratic government was elected. Has this made any difference to the space for workers and unions to organise in? At this point... There hasn't been a tangible difference. Labour reform has not been a priority of the new NLD government. One thing about the NLD government is they are they are pro-business government and they economic policy, which is still a little bit thin, but you know there, there is a focus on foreign direct investment, of opening up the economy, and so I think it's expected that the garment industry is a part of that. What we hope and what our partners on the ground hope uh, and we'll see this year is that some of the labour legislation will be amended 
Uh, we're not 100% sure if that is going to happen, but there is a committee, a parliamentary committee set up by the new government to review and make recommendations to amend problematic legislation. And so what we are hoping the next 12 months is that a couple of the labour laws are slated for review and amendment. And so it's early days for the new government. I mean, obviously Myanmar has a myriad of problems, and I think that some of them are extremely pressing. For example, the armed conflict in Kachin State and Shan State and the abuses by the, the Myanmar army. I think that the government is trying to put fires out everywhere. And the labor reform, labor policy reform, has not necessarily been a priority. However, we are still hopeful that, yeah, the next 12 months, there will be some moves on this. But as of yet, nothing significant, nothing tangible. The garment sector, to get to the garment sector, globally, especially in major countries like Cambodia and Bangladesh, is really characterised by vicious race to the bottom in terms of wages and condition for workers. Is it the kind, the same thing happening in Myanmar where it is expanding but there is incredible pressure to stop workers organising and improving their conditions? Absolutely. And I think this is one of the things that we're advocating is that we really do not want Myanmar to become to join this race to the bottom. And so investors and brands see Myanmar as, you know, the, the narrative on Myanmar is this, uh, the, the last economic frontier and, you know, the, all, all the opportunities. And a part of that is that the workforce is still relatively low in terms of unionization. The wages are still very low, even compared to Bangladesh. They are lower than Vietnam or Cambodia. And so, and the, the, there is a huge rural to urban migration going on, which provides this large, young workforce available, which gives capital a, an advantage over labor when it comes to the, you know, the, these global industries like the garment industry. So we're really hoping it doesn't join this race to the bottom. Hence, that was one of the reasons why we have been advocating and produced this report and trying to affect structural change nationally or domestically in Myanmar to protect workers' rights as as the garment industry grows and grows. Because if the garment industry, as it stands, we have about 350,000 workers. I think it might have even increased a little bit over the past 12 months. But 350,000 workers, if that increases to, say, 2 million workers, and they're all on low wages, being intimidated to join unions and working in terrible conditions, that is not necessarily a better situation just because there are more jobs. First, the jobs need to be afford workers decent working conditions uh, and a living wage. And so we're worried about this race to the bottom and Myanmar joining it. We understand the, the problem is certainly something like a living wage is many other workers' organisations 
have tried and, and are organising for that to say we don't just want a minimum wage but we want a living wage. As a final question, just again looking at the fledgling garment sector and, the, and workers organising, are there any links between Myanmar unions or labour organisation and the counterparts, say, in Cambodia, Vietnam, China or Bangladesh? There are no strong links as of yet. I mean, unless there are, which we don't know about. But as far as I know, there are not, certainly not strong links. However, this would be something which would be able to help, you know, collectively sort of raise the bottom of labor standards in the region, you know. If investors say, well, or if brands say, well, we're not going to invest in Cambodia because the union movement is strong, we're going to go to Myanmar because it's a bit weaker. But if there is this collective strength in the region, I think this could be a key driver for raising labor standards regionally. So this is something that we would love to see. However, from what we have seen so far, those links, if they exist, are not strong as of yet. Well, Alex, thank you for that very good overview and specifics of the situation of the labour movement in Myanmar and especially in the garment sector. And we thank you very much and we wish you and all your comrades all the best in the future. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm... No, I didn't do testing. Oh, okay. Testing, testing. <laughs> OK. Hi, I'm Susanna Espy. And I'm Ida. And you're listening to 3C... And it's really um, almost half past nine here on Asia Pacific Currents on 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio station. You've just been listening to an interview with Alex Moody, who is the research officer for Progressive Voice, a human rights organisation in Myanmar. Um, so we'll really come to the end of the of the program of Asia Pacific Currents. If you want to know more detail, it's brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. So we'll be back next week. But you can go to our website, all the W's, AAW. Org.au or go to our Facebook page and you'll find more inf- information. But stay tuned to 3CR, your favourite community radio station. Don't forget to subscribe on 94198377 and keep listening. And um, Palestine, remember, will be coming up straight after this community announcement. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.